Welcome to the Ink to Film podcast. I'm James. And I'm Luke. And this week we are off again. I know we were off last yep. week. We're off this week as well. I said in our last episode, um, I'm shooting a feature film. It's going to be like 15 days over three weeks, crazy long hours. So forgive me. We're, we're gone for a couple of weeks. We miss you guys, but we're coming back soon. I promise. Yeah. What's, uh, what, are, what are you doing on that film? What's your uh, role? I'm a second assistant camera. So I'm working in the camera department. Cool. Yeah. This is funny because this episode will be dropping like in the middle of me working. So yeah. it'll be an interesting experience to hear this later. But um, yeah, this episode that we covered was on Watchmen. Uh, this is going to be the bonus. Basically, what we're doing is we're releasing Patreon bonus content into the main feed since it's been quite a long time since it originally released uh, to cover this week. Yeah, back so, in 2019, this one. Yeah. And so we covered Watchmen and uh, the, the, you know, Alan Moore graphic novel. And then eventually the the Zack Snyder film. We talked to Daryl Gregory on that episode yeah. about it. And then this series it's came out. It's a good out. episode. I, I recommend it if you haven't listened to it. Yeah, it's a good one. And then the series came out and we were so excited about it and there was no way we couldn't cover we there was no way we weren't going to cover it. So yeah. we we found a way to do it in the bonus episodes and and honestly like I still my memories of this show are so fond. Like I I yeah. absolutely love this show still. Yeah, we had a great time with it. I know that uh it's somewhat divisive, but I think that that's the way it should be for for this kind of material. It needs to 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 challenge people and yeah, we both loved it. I think in this, you know, I think we're about to li- you're about to listen to. We talk about how we were texting each other throughout the show. Clearly, we were both excited. Um, I will give one big spoiler warning here, just in the sense that we we launch into it pretty quickly and get into heavy spoilers. So if you haven't seen the entirety of the show, um, and this is a show that like has mega reveals. Um, it's better to listen to this after watching it. Um, we don't do like a, hey, what, let's give a spoiler-free review of this. Like, we don't really do that. <laughs> we launch right into it because we had so much we wanted to talk about. Um, there is also some very light spoilers um, uh, for The Leftovers, which is another Damon Lindelof show. Um, we we kind of got excited and, and mentioned some things. But it's it's not like direct stuff, but it's just kind of general vibes from the from that show that it's kind of spoiled a little bit so um if that bothers you i just want you to be aware of it um but if you're okay with that or if you've seen the show then you should be totally fine yeah again love the show so much this is a former patreon episode so if you're interested in getting this much much earlier because this came out in 2019 um check out our patreon patreon.com forward slash ink to film yeah, we just recorded a Murder on the Orient Express episode for the 2017 Kenneth Branagh version. Um, that should be coming out this month over on Patreon. It might be out now. I'm not really sure when we're going to drop it, but uh, check that out. We also do all kinds of other different experimental things. Like we we recorded us re- reacting to playing a video game recently, um, the the Scott Pilgrim video game. So we, we try different stuff on there. And if you want to be a part of that, uh, we'd love to have you. And next week, we'll be starting our coverage on Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five. So yep. look forward to that. I know in the last episode in the intro, I had mentioned how excited I am. Still that excited yep. a week later. Uh, I can't wait to get started on that. So look forward to that. Yeah, one of my favorite authors. I, I'm excited to see how it holds up because it's been a while since I've read any of his stuff. Uh, I hope it does. Um, so yeah, definitely look forward to that. And hopefully you enjoy this episode on the HBO series Watchmen. I'm so glad that in some way we've decided to talk about this because like I just honestly kind of wish we had just like rolled straight into covering the show in some capacity from our Watchmen coverage. But I mean, there was no real way for us to do that. So I love that we're getting to talk about it here. 
Yeah, I mean, there there would have to be an alternate universe where uh, <laughs> one of us is blue and has powers and is able to to set up a situation where we're full time podcasters and can because I feel like we would have had to branch off and had a separate podcast devoted to the Watchmen. Um, otherwise, we would have had to stop what we were doing for this. You know what I mean? It just it just didn't fit. As much as uh, I agree, it would have been fun to do to like react episode by episode. I would have loved to do it, but it just we couldn't do that and continue to doing the film the way that we wanted. Uh, so we're gonna do this instead, which is gonna be you know very light touch sort of thing. We're not gonna get into depth on it. We just don't have time for it. But it is at least a way for us to kind of weigh in on where we're at with the with the series. I mean, we've I think we've mentioned it in other episodes here and there, just talking about how we've been watching it and how amazing we we thought it was. Um, but I just think back to when we were covering Watchmen and even when it was announced that Damon Lindelof was going to be doing this show, I was excited about it. Um, you know, both of, both of you and I have talked a lot off the podcast about how much we love leftovers and it, it, I don't know, that show really, really stuck with me and I think about it all the time. And this for me, when this show started up immediately felt tonally like it was filling that void. Like it was just right in this, in the same perfect spot that I, that I've like, I don't know. I was just something that was missing. And, and like, as soon as the show started up, I was like, I was on board and, and, you know, the first couple episodes were, were great. And it just continued to build. And, and it, I mean, viewership shows that like it, it became this huge phenomenon. That's basically where I'm at with it too. It definitely harkens to leftovers. I think it also harkens to some of the best of lost um really just strong character work um exciting scenes um at times leftovers uh could be a little difficult to get into and i think that that is somewhat true here as well i know some people struggled um with early episodes i've heard a lot of people especially with episode one um found it a bit off-putting and and i get that and i think you have to be used to lindelof's style and and sort of trust in what he's doing and like believe that he's going to carry you somewhere worthwhile and leftovers went a long way to to sort of establish that trust for me but i think a lot of people came into this show not having seen leftovers and maybe only seeing lost and being a little bit burned and 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 questioning whether or not they want to trust him right and so i could see coming into it and being skeptical but now in the fullness of the entire season, I guess we should also say we're going to probably spoil the season here when we talk about it, right? So if you haven't finished all of, of Watchmen, um, we're, we're going to get into it. So so maybe this won't be for you until you do finish it. But uh, maybe just before we get into it, we can just say we ha- it has our full recommendation. Go check it out. Uh, but now we're going to get into spoilers. Um, anyway, I feel like I'm scattered. What was I saying? <laughs> You were talking about uh, just people coming to it and, and it being kind of uh, not an easy thing to approach. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that that is mostly true. Um, and yeah, like like I said, my experience with Leftovers, I think, helped me uh, give Lindelof the, the time to develop a story. And by the end of it, he did that. And I think everything reflects back on the season in a way that makes me really want to rewatch. Um yeah, because it seems like everything was planned from the beginning and meticulously crafted into this. Like, you know, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a symbol in the show. So I'm going to use it. But it, like a watch, like a clock. Right. It's this finely mm-hmm. crafted uh, thing that that you can't see it till the end in its totality. But then once mm-hmm. you can, it changes kind of the way you look at everything. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things here. If you had told me when we were at the the outset of the show that it was going to 
encompass all of the things that it was going to try to tackle. It's so dense and so there's so many different things going on. And if you had told me, I would have been like, there's no way he pulls it off, especially because Watchmen fans and just Watchmen in general is is this like really hard thing to to hold in the palm of your hand, like as as some to 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 say like I'm gonna make something that's in the same universe, and not have it be all of the same characters and introduce all these new characters and all these new scenarios and everything. Like that was such a tall task, and and they pulled it off. But the, you were talking about it not being very approachable, and it's I I think the other thing is it's the one two punch of like Lindelof and Watchmen. So it's like if you hadn't read yeah. the comic and you weren't familiar with the comic, then you're like you're I think I just can't even imagine if you're not a fan if this is your first exposure to Lindelof and you hadn't read the comic I just can't even I don't even know what that would feel like or seen the film or seen the Snyder yeah film. or because exactly. some people had d- didn't have any background at all mm-hmm. uh, and, and went into this and I can see it maybe being <laughs> difficult for that I mean and, and that's one of the things that is actually kind of impressive like ultimately this is a sequel to Watchmen through and through and it feels like that to me and I know a lot of people disagree. I mean, maybe not a lot. There is a contingent of people who disagree. And if you look at, like, user scores um, across the internet, a lot of it is pretty mixed. Um, and I would, and it seems to me that there, this is one of those hot-button shows that has angered uh, white supremacists across the board who have taken to the internet to, to downvote, to give it low ratings, and, and so on and so forth. So, I don't know. What are your, what's your thoughts on that, on that stuff? I just like it's going to happen in this day and age and specifically like I think the main essence of Watchmen that that Damon Lindelof was able to boil down to with this story is just like it Watchmen was timely like the main thing was that the political landscape the things that were going on the things that were present in people's minds it tackled those things and it and it's difficult subjects and approached them from different perspectives that you maybe weren't expecting and this totally did that for the modern age like Mm -hmm. it just like everything that's going on right now there's a commentary on it and uh i don't know if you're gonna you know i don't really give a shit about the user scores if when it comes down to it like clearly like there's always going to be a contingent of people who are just willing and ready to hate something based on whatever like things that baggage that they're bringing to something and clearly this is about those things that they probably that probably are hot button issues for them but i don't know this this sort of idea that people aren't liking watchmen because it's too political is funny because clearly the original was political and yeah. it always has been political and it's yeah. always been about kind of stirring up the pot and, and like pointing fingers and that kind of thing. Well, and it's funny because in a way you look at the original Watchmen as being sort of edgy, right? In, in like the classic sense that people use that like, oh, it's so edgy. It was so violent. It was so dark and and sort of nihilistic in ways at times and and the way it sort of skewered American politics of the time, right? And that's all true, um, but in th- in what's funny is I feel like that kind of stuff isn't edgy anymore. You know what I mean? Like what it did now is actually like the new edgy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't know. It just it it found a new way to analyze all this stuff rather than rehashing a lot of the same stuff in the original. And I think that that's where it angered people, like that contingent of people. But it, you know, by design, I think it was supposed to piss off those people. Yeah, I like what you said there, because I think in this day and age, it's crazy to think that making something that's like uniquely a certain voice and not broadly appealing is is like the risky play. Yeah, this is the anti blockbuster, man. Think about all, yeah. you know, so many blockbuster films and stuff nowadays. They they try and play it so safe. 
to try mm. and appeal to a mass audience. And this is not that at all. It, it comes right. in and says, I'm going to anger, you know, a, a large contingent of, Amer- of America r- with this show. And I know As that. Should, and in. it's hilarious. And a lot of it's like, if we were just going to jump to the last episode, that moment where he's like, or I guess it's the second to last episode where Keen is like, it's hard to be a white man in America. You know, the people are saying this and like <laughs> yeah. the moment it was played for, it was played as, I mean, maybe partially as a joke, but it's just, I laughed so hard when that happened and, mm-hmm. and like all that Keen stuff and the racist getting their due in the last episode, just like, yeah, I loved it, dude. It's just like, it's like, I don't know. I love seeing that, like somebody outwardly saying like, these are the bad guys. Yeah. Fuck these people. And like those people getting angry about it. It's hilarious. It's like, okay, well, you're admitting that you're, you feel a certain way. You're a white supremacist. And yet you, you, you know, you're getting angered because you're the bad guy and you're starting to see people pointing the finger and saying like, you're a bad guy. So, well, and, and I think you're also angered for the, those people are also angry about black people being centered in this show, right? Like this show is yeah. about black people and, and black people's struggles in America. Yeah. And even though this is an alternate history and it shows it in sort of a, it kind of skewers it and, and like changes it and shows you a new light of it in some ways, but that's still what it's about at its core. So yeah. um, that alone is going to just piss off so many people. And, you know, I just give him such credit for, for just going for it and saying, fuck, fuck it, I'm doing it. Because that's what's important in America today. That's like, that's the topic of the day. Mm-hmm. And like, I, you know, I'm not one to speak about like, you know the plight of being a black person in in america but like that that core story was so well crafted and so meaningful and showing a family like this and showing i don't know it just i I, this show means a lot to me like i i am always going to remember it as one of my favorite shows that i've ever seen Mm. and it just like i i was blown away because i the the areas that i thought that a watchman show would go directed by damon lindelof a white guy was not in this direction um and it was just i don't know it was surprising and and i think that it was a it was a cool story that needed to be told so lindelof is often described as someone who loves crafting puzzle box mysteries or puzzle box style shows mm-hmm. um and i think that is still true here for sure like if you look at lost is that uh, leftovers is kind of that and definitely this is that um but i found this to actually be of all of the lindelof i've 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 seen the most satisfying as far as providing answers to the puzzles and providing mm-hmm. like show, actually sh- revealing, you know, the mystery, whereas so much of his other stuff, you know, that's the the thing people don't like is it's all this mystery and no answers. And, and, and people get frustrated by that, which I can understand. And But this isn't that. Yeah. The thing about the leftovers, just because we're here talking about letting the mysteries be and everything, uh, is that I, I love that he was like, oh, like the ultimate not giving answers show is the leftovers. Yeah. Um, like ultimately you're left. It's satisfying. I found it to be endlessly satisfying because it is, it's like, it's not even that you don't get answers. It's just ambiguous. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, it's up to interpretation and there's a little bit of that here as well. There's ambiguity Um, done right, man. And, um, leftovers did that. And if you look at something like the ending of the thing, right. Where, or, you know, where it's like, there's a few of these that you'll see that are famous, ambiguous endings of like who, who is infected at the end of the thing. What's going to, you know, what's going to happen and you don't know. And it's left for you to decide. And you, if you do that, well, I think it can be some of the best endings that you can have. Um, because it asks you to think in a way and it, and it, and it kind of demands, it kind of leaves you wor- working it over in your mind, right? Like, it doesn't give you the answer. And so I think you're touching on the fact that it doesn't quite show us 
for sure at the end that Angela has inherited uh, Dr. Manhattan's powers, but I think this every indication is that she has. So it, it, even that to me is like ambiguous only in a, in a slight sense in that we didn't actually see it. Right. I actually expected her to just find the egg and then it cut from there. Like I thought, right. I thought it was clear enough, that, but I guess the whole pool, like him being on the pool and it's going to be important later thing. Well, he said, uh, I need you to see me on the pool. That, okay. Exactly. So we're getting into some of the Manhattan stuff, which I was not expecting at all. I didn't think this show was going to be so much about Dr. Manhattan at its core. You know what I mean? But it makes such sense that it would be because that is the thing. Like if you have something that you feel like is the story left to be untold, like left untold in Watchmen, it is what goes on with Dr. Manhattan. Because like you have this all you have this godlike being still in existence. There has to be more story there. And essentially that's what this show is all about. But you don't know it until episode like fucking eight. Right. Where it's uh, God walks into a bar, I think is the name of the episode. Um, it might have been seven. One of those one of those episodes is where the whole thing just explodes for me. And 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 I'd been loving it up to that point already. You know, like uh, the flashback episode with uh, Angela's yeah, uh, grandfather yeah. was amazing. But I thought that was going to be the highlight of the show, too. Like they they like I saw the teaser after episode five going into episode six. And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. This is like yeah. everything we've been waiting. It for. may be the show. It may still be the episode of the whole show, but. There's yeah. there's one or two that that are in contention still. I just I just didn't expect it to go bigger than that. You know what I mean? Mm. I thought it was like this is the self-contained story within the Watchmen universe that we're going to tell, and it's all right here. And then the, the the next couple episodes, it was like everything was busted even further open, and we saw Doctor Manhattan. We saw yeah. the, all this craziness that went on. The, so, all the so, all the Lady True stuff is is going to be really fascinating to talk about as well. Yeah. Well, and I really just want to get your thoughts on it because I, I have been thinking a lot since I finished the, the finale about what this all means for the show. Like, what, what, was, what was Manhattan's plan? What was his purpose? Why do things go the way they do? Because whenever you have your godlike po- powers in an individual who can see the future and yet dies in the course of the mm-hmm. show, there has to be an explanation for that, right? And, like, how do you, how do you square that? So, I mean, uh, like, I don't know. I clearly to me there's there's so much left on on said that i think that they're that, that it was set up for a season two which i was not expecting i thought it was going to be wholly its own season hmm. and i just th- i just think that there's See, a lot i, I kind of disagree with that i think that this is i think it's perfectly self-contained but um i think some of the answers are 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 you have to you have to work for them i i guess i i just think that like they they have basically set themselves um on a path and I don't know, there's a couple of things here and there, like the, the idea of like Europa now is like a, there's just a bunch of people there who were created by a god that are just living on a planet or a moon now, and they're just out there. Like what's, right. isn't, there's potentially a story there of some kind. Um, oh, you yeah. know, we have the man. I'm not saying there's not on. stories that could be told in a season two, but like I, yeah. I am of the camp of, I hope they don't make one. I kind um, of I felt the that, same way. I hope that this, I, yeah. that this is left because I think that it is beautifully self-contained and it doesn't need a season two personally. I, I, I kind of felt the same way and I, I that's exactly I was like oh man like that's why during the finale when these things were happening I was like I don't really want there to be a season two like why are we going to lean into this especially with the idea that like if Lindelof doesn't return I don't want a season two personally mm-hmm. uh, so anyway but the, the other things are like I think very clearly the Manhattan dying stuff is interesting because a couple of things so Dr. Manhattan 
can he perceives all time at the same time, right? Right. So he's perceiving everything at once. With some with some dark spots because of the whole tachyon particles the and stuff. Tachyon, yeah. So so say he's going into the situation, um, he he leaves his powers in an egg, right? How did he right. know to leave his powers in an egg if he can't see beyond because he's dead? Like how could he have known that Angela would eventually find the egg? He wouldn't have. He would have just been guessing that these things would have aligned perfectly because he's dead. So right. he wouldn't have been able to see past it. So my my whole thing about it is like Doctor Manhattan is not dead. Um, I think that maybe he was able to imbue his powers to Angela as well as potentially be around still. Or I, I'm not really 100% on how it could all go down. But like the first thing he learned how to do was reconstitute himself. And when Adrian Veidt tried to kill him by doing the same thing that created him, it didn't kill him. Right. So and like we saw him become like whatever energy or something like that that was in this ball this like globe thing that was floating over top of him in the at the end of the show and that thing was destroyed so who's to say like he wasn't released and he can't reconstitute eventually i don't know there's a lot left i think but um i'm not i'm not fully convinced and like at the end of the day if it's the story they want to tell that he is gone like cool like just go for it and and do whatever story you want to but i feel like it's kind of there's enough there to think potentially he's not gone okay uh, so I had a different take. Um, let me try and outline outline my take on the Manhattan stuff. So I believe that this story is at its core about Manhattan wanting to die. I think he has to desire death in order to go through with the things that he does. I think he this whole story is about not only wanting to die, but also wanting to pass on his powers to someone that he thinks is uh, more deserving of them. And or I more think like he, empathetic and like, yeah, and like someone I think who he can, recognizes that he was unable to do enough good with them because of his the way he distanced himself. He also admits that he made mistakes with Vietnam and stuff. And so I think he doesn't forgive himself for some of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the the entirety of what happened for them, the moment he sits down across from Angela, he knows he wants it to happen that way. And he he comes it to her, but he also wants her to freely choose it um, because of what he says, uh, what actually I think it's Ozymandias says later about like anyone who wants to be a god needs to be stopped at all costs from becoming one. Right. And when he's talking about his daughter. Um, and I think that actually is the message here because he knows that he could give his powers to someone else. He believes that someone else should have them, but he also believes that anyone who wants them don't does, shouldn't have them. And so mm-hmm. he sele- he chooses Angela, makes her you know like doesn't make her he he invites her to freely choose to to come on to this, but he also kind of knows she will because of the way time is right. This is mm-hmm. funny because this is very arrival too, right? But, um, but this is crazy because like it, how does he know because of t- the way time works because he's gone. Like there's a couple of things with the tachyon stuff that I want to ask you about after after you finish up. Okay, well, so so what he knows is that the, it will end in tragedy. That tragedy is his own death, but he doesn't reveal it. But he knows that that's what it is. So what he what he does, I think, about when you're talking about, like, how does he know she'll actually use it? I don't think he does. I think he knows up till the point he dies, yet he also is setting up a scenario where he believes that she will after he is gone, right? Like he believes that he says, you know, you need to give her this message. You need to, sh- he, you need to see me standing on the water. Like he's doing all these things because he thinks that if he does all these things, then she's likely, 
but I think he has to let go of, of knowing everything in that moment. I think he has to sort of have faith that she will do it. Right. Um, I mean, I like that take. I think yeah, that's, that's cool. my take. And so I think that it's all about him wanting to pass it on. And like, uh, I think her grandfather, Angela's grandfather says it too. He says, when she says something about like, he was a great man after he dies and he like, he did so much or whatever. And I think her grandfather says he could have done more. And I think that's also the key there, right? Like he, he, as much as he did, he didn't do everything that he could have. And the implication is that Angela will. So I think ultimately this is a show about the creation of a new God who's going to set right the world. And if you talk about just like the insane stakes to put into a show, <laughs> that's what we yeah. have here, right? Like, like that's what the show's about. And that's wild. That is leftovers level stuff, right? Like that's, that's existence. That's like, you know, what it means to be alive and, and divinity. Like what is the essence of divinity and what does it mean? And all this stuff. And it's, it's all wrapped up in the show. And I wouldn't have thought that there'd be so much carryover between the two, but there actually is. Right. So much to talk about. I feel like we're really not going to be able to talk, talk about all, all of the things we want to talk about. Okay. But uh, really quickly, more. I want to I talk about the Tachyon stuff because mm-hmm. I find it to be really, I think with the addition of this story, it becomes muddy. Mm-hmm. So Manhattan couldn't see... What, the Vite stuff in the in the comic, he couldn't see the tachy the whatever is going on at, at his base because of the tachyon interference, right? Right. So does that mean that he can see beyond that instance? What do can you he mean? see beyond the tachyon? So there's the interference. He he perceives all time at once, so he can see everything other than these like few blind spots, basically, right? Right. My I guess my question is, how would he not know the mistakes he would make before he makes them and not change them? Do you see right. what I'm saying? So, like, how could he not have known that he has regret? This have is known? the same thing we were dealing with in Arrival. Um, because it's... Beca- just because you can perceive the mistakes you're going to make doesn't mean that you aren't going to make them. He even says this conversation with Angela, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's this weird thing where it's like, if you think of fate as being written, it's like, once you perceive it and you know that it's going to happen if you are truly unable to change the course of time, like you, it's going to happen no matter what, like you can't stop it. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's like we talked about an arrival, like he's sort of playing out his entire existence at one as, as one moment. Um, and it's, it, we just, we don't perceive existence this way, like us humans. And so it's very hard. And that's why it's so impressive that you're able to craft a story this way. Cause it's very hard to perceive. And that's the way that arrivals crafted too. Yeah. I guess the main thing then is that like, you say like, oh, he didn't do enough, but it was always predetermined that he wouldn't. So like he couldn't right. have changed any of the events anyway. So what is it like at the well, end of the that's, day? Like, maybe it's a personal failing then. Like he's not the person to do what needs to be done. And he recognizes that. Yeah. We got to move on to something else. Though. I want to yeah. talk about the performances, specifically Regina King. Yeah. Um, incredible. I hope Amazing. she gets all the Emmys. I hope She's she gets so everything. good in Leftovers and so good here. Yeah. Amazing. Just in every way. She she killed it. Um. I mean, another person to shout out, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen was Cal and Dr. Manhattan. And like, very interesting. I didn't like, you know, I didn't know if we were going to see Dr. Manhattan, like how they were going to, how they were going to handle that. If he was going to look like a movie, Dr. Manhattan, if he was going to look like how he was going to look, I think they handled it really, really well. And, and it was surprising in the way that they described like, uh, the, you know, the, appearance that he took on and everything yeah, like the way they explained I, it 
The way they explained it was very cool. No, and it was it was such a deft maneuver, I think, to do it the way they did. The way they, they refused to show, at, I think at any point during the entire run, Manhattan's face that when it was not him, when it was not that actor, right? Like, they, they showed, I think, from the back a few times where it was a different actor, but they never showed the face. And what that does is it creates, it doesn't make a situation where you can feel like this isn't the real Manhattan, that that other guy is the real Manhattan. It never allows you to feel that way. And and I love that decision. Yeah. Uh, just a couple other people. Tim Tim Blake Nelson as Looking Glass was great. His episode oh, so where good, we man. where we got to see everything that played out with the, his like his whole like origin story was insane. Jeremy Irons as Ozymandias, fucking absolutely incredible. So uh, perfect. Louis Gossett Jr. who played or or Louis Gossett Jr. I'm not sure which which one it is, I but he's the Lewis, he plays. I'm not sure. He plays uh, the grandfather and right. um, enemy mine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was yeah, funny that, that you you pulled that really really quickly. Uh, in the one, wow. of the, I think one of the first episodes you tweeted about that was funny. Yeah. Uh, but just to talk about that episode, um, getting the backstory of of um, Hood of Justice, that yeah. was like something I never expected Incredible. that we would what see. A, what in, a fucking episode too, with the black and white and the and then the the certain elements in color and just yeah. all the tricks and all the stuff like. The only criticism that I, I, I can hear about this show that I can go like, okay, I'll grant you that, is that some people find it pretentious. It's it's something that I don't find, like, that's not a problem yeah. for me. It intends not to be, but, like, I can see it. And, okay, and yeah. it does, it is very over the top in some of the stuff it does. And this episode is amazing, but maybe you could say it's pretentious, but, like, honestly, I don't care. Like I don't so know, man. It, we're at such a high level of filmmaking that it's just like, I, 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 I don't know. How can you be pretentious while you're, while you're, I don't know. I guess I understand what you're saying, but I don't see it that way. No. Uh, and I'm not saying episode, I do. I've just, it's yeah. just something I've seen. Right. You know? uh, there's a technique, speaking of filmmaking, uh, that's used a lot in this, in this whole show. And I wonder if you ever picked up on it, but it's that sort of like split it's this split view split focus view where you're able to where you have like an object in the foreground and in the background that are both in focus at the same time but it leaves everything else sort of like in a shallow depth of field do you know what i'm no, talking about I, I, so I so for instance i mean i'm sure like if couple, you showed it to me i would see it but. You, you would absolutely 100 percent see it but so they do it constantly and basically it's like there's an object of importance and then like a person or two people or something like that and what you're doing is you're getting like like you're getting two different depths of field simultaneously um, or, or simultaneously. And the wow. way that they achieve this is they use a specific like diopter basically. And it's like, if you had a full lens, it's a full 360 circle. And what they do is they hook, they hook something onto the front of the lens. That's 180 degrees of, of um, another lens basically. And so half of the lens is seeing one depth of field and half of it because of that sp- specific lens that's put on front is is seeing a different depth of field and it creates this insane tech it's it's absolutely incredible and i just like i kept seeing first of all i noticed it and then i looked into it and researched it and i'm just blown away by the the use of it and it's it's this really cool thing and they they do a really great job of hiding the seam because there's a small seam that splits the Hmm. two depths of field and it's just like they did it constantly throughout the show and it's just like this little technique that i thought was like the coolest thing ever that's crazy, man. I uh, never would have thought of that. <laughs> That's awesome. I love to hear it. Um, I want to br- I want to touch back on looking Looking Glass because I think early on I texted you about how I thought he he was like he was this show's version of Rorschach, right. and I felt that way throughout. And I was so happy when at the end of the show he literally dons the Rorschach mask, 
I don't know yeah. if you like thought of that, but like, yeah, yeah, definitely. it was, it comes full circle and he is Rorschach. And then the things he does at the end with Ozymandias, once again, not letting him get away with what he did and, and, and not in refusing, he kind of takes up where, where Rorschach left off. Like that's what Rorschach yeah. wanted. Definitely. And, and so and, it, to me that totally redeemed because a lot of people got upset with like the way Rorschach's legacy was dealt with here. Right. And that it was all this white supremacist and like what happened to Rorschach was such a great character. And like, he's totally just written off here. And I think you have to look deeper than that. And you have to look at looking glass, that character, because I really believe that that was Damon Lindelof's homage to what Rorschach was as a character in the original comic. Uh, and I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, that's, I think it's re- definitely there to be, to be looked at. Um, a couple of things to rattle off real quick. Gene Smart as, as Agent Blake, uh, yeah, oh, amazing man, so having her in yeah. the show. The way she 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 was the, the the comedian nature of that character, right? Like the way it harkens back to the totally. comedian is just so yeah. good. It's so good, and and then you know we get like and another reason, another little lingering thing for season two is is I think we could see like an Ozymandias locked up with in jail near nearby potentially a certain owl. <laughs> that's also supposed to be in jail oh yeah that's right so there could, was an indication that maybe that was that was the fate of the night owl right right he wound so up maybe maybe another little that that was something that struck me i was like okay well they're both gonna be in jail i wonder if they'll end up I, in i'll nearby. say man, i'll say it right here now man if, if there is a season two it needs to be Dana, damon lindelof and he needs to take several years developing it yeah, or as long as he uh, if he thinks he's got it like go for it but i just yeah. like let him have his time let him make whatever yeah. he wants to craft yeah no uh, do not put him on a timeline do hbo yeah. don't come to him and say we want season two to premiere next year on you know next september or something yeah. don't do that you will ruin it yep. first off and then second off yeah it has to be him he if he passes this show off to somebody else like i'll probably still check it out but i will go in with my expectations like halved you know what i mean whereas if it's him I, i'll go in expecting brilliance again um, but I just, I, I, again, feel like this story is ultimately reached its conclusion because I think with Angela becoming the new Dr. Manhattan, um, I think that, I don't know, maybe there is a story to be told with another, because whenever you have like an all powerful being loose in the world, it seems like that's too much to, to contend with. But Watchmen has always contended with that. That's right. what Dr. Manhattan was in the original comics. So, so maybe there is a story to be told about her and her struggle to try and do the things that she believes need to be done. And, you know, the, the forces are right against her and, and maybe the struggle that she will could potentially encounter being, being like Manhattan and being able to perceive time as he does, or as he did. Um, when she hits that, will she also start to get like cold and start feeling disconnected from, from humanity. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's something there. To, there's something very interestingly narratively that you could that you could jump into with her losing her humanity, even even though Manhattan saw her as someone who could potentially you know connect with humanity a little more and and use her powers for something something. Yeah, greater yeah I don't than know, but did. it's like, oh, is that is that a story that needs to be told though? I don't know. I don't know. Or is it? Because right now we're leaving her. She's the savior, right? Like she's the second coming. I think know? the world she's... would do do really great to see a character like like her as god you know what i that's mean true. i think like that, that that's like cool. something that that i think people would respond well to um i don't know like i said i don't necessarily want a season two like i've said it's got to be very specific circumstances yeah. but i could be I, I could i could be wrong and you know what i mean yeah. i will grant that because i i felt that way i feel that way about stuff sometimes and then the you know the second sequel comes out or the second season comes out and i'm like oh my god it's, it's amazing it's better and and it's like it, 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 it can happen you know and, and if it's in the right hands it certainly could happen but 
Is there any other stuff we want to talk about, like in the in the nitty gritties here? Really briefly about the Lady True Ozymandias stuff and yeah. like all the craziness that we went through on. Um, it was Europa kind of a mind and, fuck with the timeline for sure. Yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah. picked out the the sort of like nature of the timeline. Yeah. You did. But you texted I did, me about I that early on, and I hadn't really thought about that. But I wasn't like totally obviously correct. I had no idea that the Lady True stuff came out of nowhere for me. Oh, so I wanted I to ask not. you. Speaking of uh, one of the outstanding like questions i had that maybe has a simple answer but we see lady true when we first meet her she goes to this farmhouse and she negotiates the land ownership so that she can have whatever lands in that field i guess right is that just the returning spaceship with ozymandias aboard yeah it? yeah i think okay. so because i don't nothing else really makes sense to me because i was trying to figure out what that was and why couldn't she just have it land somewhere else like why did it have to land there oh i'm not I, yeah i don't know that's a good question but i would say that like her whole plan is basically laid bare now. If you, I think if you rewatch it, you can see it. Um, like she has the statue of Ozymandias in her office, yeah. and I think he's still solidified in there mm-hmm. um, up oh, until sure. she thaws him in order to to like show that she's you know accomplished more than he has, and right. she's, she just wants to know. lord it over him. Which is her, so that's her hubris coming to get her, right? Coming to bite her. I mean, I knew Lady True was going to be bad. We have a, what was he? She was, she's a trillionaire, the world's first trillionaire, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> well, I just didn't. I, I don't know. I, I had, didn't know what to make of her. I wasn't going to jump to any conclusions, but I, I clearly felt like she, the, the, you know, buying the land and like forcing the people to do what she wanted definitely seemed bad it seems seems like something I, I, from the jump i'm like this is a villain through and through um, yeah she was so like when she was negotiating with that family about their her their like cloned child she had made exactly. and all this stuff yeah. like that's some like serial killer killer level shit she, she definitely embodies that the idea of someone who's like a psychopath rising to power and like a, within a company right because i think yeah. she has to be to do the things she does yeah well and like she it's so funny because like who knows where she would have ended up if if uh Probably down the same path, but if, if Ozymandias hadn't fully shunned her, like who knows what she would have accomplished right. instead? Because he well, was like, do he, it on your own. And, she is yeah. another Ozymandias character, right? Because Ozymandias right. is ultimately the secret villain of the comics. Right. He's the one who, and he's a secret villain, but like in quotations, because he kills millions of people, but yet averts nuclear apocalypse. Um, and that's his de- that's his way he defends it, right? At least, but he is a villain ultimately. But I would say Lady True kills all those racists. So, like, kind of net. Kind of, <laughs> what do we net? Like somewhere like well, neutral. I, honestly, it seems like what she was gonna do was averted. Like, what would she have done if she actually got the power? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we, I yeah. feel like we would have seen genocide um, on a large scale. It's the main reason why Ozymandias was talking about anyone who wants to be a god shouldn't be. You know, like yeah. her becoming a god would not have been ideal for anyone other than yeah. herself. Exactly. Um, Ultimately, but, we will all be worshipping her is basically what he said. Yeah. Like, that's going to be the end result of this. I mean, I think it was pretty, pretty obvious. But like the Christ allegory that we got nearing the end with her and sort of like she's like looking out to the cross and she has her arms outstretched. And that's when Ozymandias is frozen. Squids start falling down and they puncture her hand, leaving <laughs> yeah. like a sort of like a uh, nailed, nailed on the cross kind of thing. Stigma. Oh, yeah exactly yep I, I just like i don't know there's there's a lot in this show she desperately think, uh, wanted to be the second coming but and it is a story about that but it's not her right she's she's the false idol she's yeah she's not she's not it it's angela and i and love about, that it, it all comes back to that right and yeah. and uh i also think that my i now i don't know if this is like confirmed by the show i'd have to rewatch it but it felt like to me that speaking of like what dr manhattan couldn't see he couldn't see the 10 years he had with angela Right. Um, and could he see after that though? 
he could That's see after. Question. I think as soon as he got the thing removed, he was like inserted back into the timeline, and he could see everything up until his death. Right, but right before he put that thing in his forehead, could he see what happened after those ten years? Yes. Yes. So he knew everything that was going to happen. Yeah. Well, because he says it ends in tragedy, and he yeah. knew that she was going to try and save him. And it wasn't going to work when they showed up at the house. Like, he, I think he, as soon as he got out, he was back in. But what's crazy is I think when he's in the box with all the lights pointed at him all the all the clocks and all that stuff that they batteries or whatever it was he is somehow unstuck in time even more than normal and he's able to perceive the time they were together and that's why when he says like i'm seeing us together all the time we spent together he's speaking specifically about and i think we even see some flashes of the time when he was blind to, to that so i think he's granted access to that and so then you get the wallop of like 10 years of like a you know a loving relationship with somebody occurring to you all at once and so that's why right. it made like such a powerful moment to me i do i look I, in terms for the story i obviously grant everything that happened it was worth it it was great but in terms of like tr- transitioning from the comic to to dr manhattan in the show do you feel like there's enough there to really show because he was very specific about not wanting to be tied up in humans like their lives and the the tangle it's complicated and all of that do we really see enough of him on europa like failing at what he wanted to do or whatever to to really i don't know justify him coming back to earth and getting tangled back up in humans lives i think it's just the the limitations of storytelling in some ways like I think it's like we see enough, in my opinion. I don't. Mm-hmm. Could they have spent more time with it? Maybe, but would it have been interesting? Right. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, guess I don't know. Just something decided. I was thinking about because it was he was very specific. Like I'm out of here, and yeah. like then he was right back. As far as we we see these stories, you know, thirty yeah. years. Well, later, it's the problem is we perceive time in, in our way, and he perceives it in his way. So it's like, why does he take time? Why does he take thirty years or forty years to come back around to humanity? If he can perceive it at all times, like, what, what is that? But just because he can perceive it at all times doesn't mean that those 40 years don't still need to happen. You know what I mean? It's, it's, this, it's, the, weird, it's the weird paradox of it all. And so to him, it's like, yeah, he needed those 40 years to, to care again, I think, and, and to feel like it's worth it now to come back to Earth. And, and I think it's the realization that it's not him who's able to do it. And, and that's why I contend that this is ultimately a story where he, or, he is essentially recognizing that he needs to die in order for this to to go somewhere different and he is sort of inflicting this on angela and and so in that way it's kind of sad but like it's also it's tragic for him too and i think he does genuinely fall in love with her and um i you know yeah there was the moment where i was like this is the moment and i just love the way he like converses with himself across timelines like it was so good and then there was even there's even little Easter eggs where he's like when he's in the containment and he talks about he like says a line from the original comic when he's on Mars talking to um, Silk Spectre about her. I think he like asked her what if like what's the matter? Are you cold or something? Like he was literally saying lines from the comic from when he was on Mars. I noticed that and like there's so many of these little little callbacks to the comic that sh- that shows that as much as this went to its own place, it is firmly um, a sequel to to Watchmen, yeah. right? And it's so yeah. it's so cool. I got to rattle off some things because we're running out of time here. Yeah, um, yeah. So we, I mean, just some amazing things. This sort of Vietnam origin story of Angela Abar and like all of that stuff that goes on is amazing. Yeah. The memory drugs that we're seeing, the sort of like we can like yeah, it's now nostalgia. accessible and like nostalgia and all the things that, that it's, it, amazing stuff. Um, we haven't even slightly talked about Lube Man. Um, yeah. The <laughs> did, mystery did you, of Lube Man. Did you read the... Uh, did you read the uh, 
PDPD at all, or did were you so, following any so of that stuff? My wife read it and told me okay. about it. So okay. I haven't read it myself, but apparently that that's where the answer lies. You know, basically yeah. saying that he was Lube Man without saying it, I guess. Or like, I guess he was kicked off the force or something like mm-hmm. that. But it's clear that he is. But um, how that's something I wanted to ask you really quickly. This sort of uh, how because I could not stop myself from from seeking out other people's theories, from seeking out the PD the PDpedia. I was all over everything. I was consuming everything I possibly could. Um, and some people were right. Like there were times that I was like, nah, bullshit, that's not going to happen. And like people nailed it, mm-hmm. um, which just goes to show like how unbelievably like hive minded the internet can be. If it, if yeah. they come together, they can figure the internet out. hive mind can figure out a lot of shit. Yeah. yeah. And, and like I could, I, there were times like I would see something and be like, nah, probably not. And then like five or six episodes later, I'd be like, remember that thing I read? That seems like it might be uh, on its way to being right. Yeah, I mean, it's um, crazy. I mean, and, and yeah, the Internet's ability to do that is astounding. That's one of the reasons why I actually sometimes don't like getting into a lot of theory crafting. Um, and, I, you know, I think Game of Thrones is a clear example of how that can go wrong and how that can bite you. Um, we'll see what happens in the books. But like, clearly, a lot of the, you know, the fan theories, um, the way and the way the creators reacted and like interacted with the theories um that's where it gets really bad like if the creator is basing things off of the internet and not the right. other way around this at least right. was clearly fully written before episode mm-hmm. one came out and so it wasn't being affected by theory crafting right? but i think it also shows like there like there's something positive that comes out of all that because like as i you know i consumed all this stuff i didn't believe everything i read i made i made my own theories and and pieced things together but at the end of the day, like it's really sh- in showing that like the pieces and the clues were there in such a well-crafted story that like it, it was so tightly wound. Like you made the clock metaphor, but like it's so tight. Everything's there. Everything has been plotted. Everything's been set up, and it's just whether or not you pick up on these little weird things. Uh, yeah. Can you start to put the puzzle together? And like you say, it might be very puzzle boxy, but. I don't know. Sometimes I, I don't think every story should be puzzle boxy, but I think Lindelof does it to yeah. pr- probably the best that anybody does. Well, that's the thing, man. If I agree, not every not every story should be that. Not every story should be any one thing ever. But right. if you are incredibly talented at doing that, we were just talking about Dr. Seuss on our, our primary episode, which may or may not be out yet when you listen to this. Um, we were talking about like, he's really good at this one thing and he did it over and over again. And is, you know, like, I think there's something admirable about that. And I think Lindelof is great at this kind of story and he's doing different versions of it, but he's still like, he's playing within what he's good at and play to your strengths, man. I think that's that there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't feel stale though. Like I would say no, that it's like, even though he's in the all. same kind of realm, it's not in any way. Does it feel anything but fresh to me? This, well, it's this such a high show. level of difficulty. You yeah. know, it's it's wild um, and, and super impressive. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's so much that we haven't even touched on. There's so much that I would want to talk about if we had more time. But I think that this is going to have to be it for our Watchmen, uh, our Watchmen bonus episode. Any, yeah. any last bits that you want to get in there while we're while we're talking Watchmen? I wish there was like a little quote or something I could pull, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> nothing ever ends. Yeah, I like go. seeing <laughs> I like seeing Keen in those. uh those uh dr manhattan undies the panties (laughs) that was really funny i like you know i i want to clutch my bubastis stuffed animal uh Mm -hmm. and and just just go sleep and and dream of this wonderful show um (laughs) it was very fun and um if you know i hope you you uh have seen it if you're listening to all these spoilers because we've just spoiled everything 
but um, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as as much as we did. I know that not everybody has, but we're we're full bore huge super fans of this show. I think it's safe to say. And yeah. uh, I'm gonna be paying attention and and watching whatever whatever he does next because yeah. to me Damon Lindelof can do no wrong now. I'm so I'm so in. It's it's like uh, he's like um, the TV version of Denis Villeneuve to me, right? Where it's like I'm in for yeah. whatever he does next. Anything, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. All right, man. I think we're gonna have to wrap it here. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, I assume this is gonna come out before Christmas, so Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. And uh, we'll be seeing you again uh, in 2020. All right, and until next time. Thanks for listening.